0: Hello, All Nations Church, along with any visitors who are viewing this on YouTube or on Facebook. It's great to be able to share with you today. Now, my name is Ian, Ian Riches, and I have the privilege of serving as part of the eldership team here at All Nations. And today we're going to restart our series entitled Let My People Go, which is taking us through the book of Exodus. We did it in the rant to Christmas, we paused for a while over Christmas, and now we're moving back to it. So as it's been a few weeks since we looked at this, let's remind ourselves of the story so far. You see, God's people were in captivity in Egypt. Moses was born, miraculously escaped death as an infant, and then worked to lead his people out of slavery. And this resulted in a series of worsening plagues that hit Egypt, culminating in the death of every firstborn across the land. God's people were protected by the blood of a sacrificed lamb painted on their doorposts. God's people are set free, miraculously escape Pharaoh's pursuing army as they cross the Red Sea on dry land. Miracles abound as they receive both food and water in the desert. They then find themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai where Moses is giving the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and then a whole slew of further laws in the following chapters. We pick up the story today in Exodus 23, starting at verse 20, where God outlines how they would take the promised land. Now, I've titled this preach, Follow Him, for reasons which will hopefully become clear as we move through it. And Caroline will read the passage for us shortly. But first, you'll be good to pray. Father God, we we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for the scriptures. We pray now that you'll be opening eyes, ears, hearts, minds, everything we need to take on board what you want to say to us. Holy Spirit, would you be whispering in our ears, would you keep us alive to all that you want to do to us today? Amen. So let's read Exodus chapter 23 verses 20 to 33 together and Caroline's going to be reading from the NIV.
1: See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you.
0: Thank you, Caroline, for reading that. Now, the first thing that struck when reading this passage was the very strong linking between follow all the rules and then you'll get what I promise. Uh, remember, these are some of the words that Caroline read for us. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies. And worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. Now, when Matt took us through the Ten Commandments a few weeks ago, together with his kids, very helpfully, they explained to us the benefit of rules. Rules give safety. Rules give Boundaries. Now under the old covenant, the old promise before Jesus' birth, death and resurrection, following the law to the letter was the only way to keep right with God, when sacrifices were required to atone for sins. That's the context of today's passage. Do what I say and all will be well. Break my commands and it might not. Now, as Christians, we now live under the new covenant. Our justification, our being made right with God, is not conditional on what we do. Jesus paid the price once and for all. But as Christians, we can fall into two potential traps in this area. Firstly, we can try and still live in an old covenant mindset where God's favour can only be bought by righteous acts and where any slips or mistakes can disqualify us. If we live in this place, then we'll constantly be putting ourselves down, thinking of ourselves as unworthy, when we in fact are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This path robs us of life, of joy. But there's another pitfall as well, that we can use grace as an effective justification just to carry on sinning, not treating sin with the... I'm just to say the respect that it deserves, and not as seriously as we should. Now, Paul in his letter to the Romans deals explicitly with this in chapter six. We look at verse one. He says, What then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Did you get that? By no means. He goes on to say, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And in verse 12, he says, therefore, do not let any sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Amen. That's where we live today, under grace. Sin is no longer our master. Now, theologians like long words, but they can sometimes be very useful. Words like salvation, justification, sanctification and so on. Now, our salvation and justification are absolutely by grace and faith in Jesus alone. We cannot earn it by good behaviour. We're saved from the eternal consequences of our sin and made right with God. That's what justification means. Not on the basis of what we do or don't do, but thanks to Jesus' work on the cross. However, God then takes us on a journey that theologians refer to as sanctification, of continually being made more and more like Christ. And the theologian Wayne Grudem describes and defines sanctification like this sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. I think that's really helpful. Don't you want that? Keeping free from sin is not going to save us. That's the work of Christ alone. But as we seek to build lives in cooperation with the Holy Spirit that more and more reflect who Jesus is, We will naturally want to live as sin-free lives as we can. But what about the passage itself? And perhaps one of the most interesting questions that came into my mind as I was reading it was, who is the angel? Let's remind ourselves what God says in the passage. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen what he says do not rebel against him he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that i say i will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you now there's some interesting language there the angel seems to have the power to forgive or at least withhold forgiveness What he says and what God, the I in the passage, say, seem to carry equal weight. God's name is in him. It's for these reasons that most theologians and commentators see this angel, which literally just means messenger, as it's translated, as the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ himself. Remember, Jesus always has been and always will be. So I read this as God sending Jesus in pre-incarnate form to guard them and lead them to the promised land. They were to pay attention to him and listen to what he said. Now, it may just be me, but I see a huge foreshadowing of the new covenant, the new promise in Jesus here. After chapters of giving rules and laws, when it comes down to it, God brings it back to a relationship." And that's why I chose my title for this preacher's. Follow Him. That's what the passage says to me. And it was as I was praying through this that Richard Green, Richard Green's our lead elder, his weekly email arrived on the 7th of January where he encouraged us to look at Hebrews chapter 12. And it says there, "...therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, For the people of Israel, it was, let's follow the angel and do what he says, and we'll be led to the promised land. For us, under the new covenant, it's the same but amplified. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, throw off sin, and run the race marked out for us. I love the way that God weaves his message of love and redemption throughout all scripture. Even earlier in our Exodus preach series, we see the blood of a lamb providing safety as the angel of death swept over Egypt. We have an amazing God. Now, is there anything more that this passage has to say to us as Christians? Yeah, I think there is. It's that God is actually very happy to deal with obstacles one thing at a time. You see, in the passage we read these words, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. The land isn't instantly given to God's people in its entirety. He recognises that will be too much for them. In the same way, as Christians, when we come to God, he doesn't seek to deal with every wrong thought and every wrong attitude on day one. (laughs) That would be too much for us. It would be too much for me. As I've said, our sanctification or our being made more like Christ is a process that starts at our salvation and is only completed when we go to be with him. Now, I've been a Christian some 35 years, and to some of you listening, that will seem like ages, and to others, but the blink of an eye. But even after these 35 years, God is still finding new things to work on in my character and my attitudes. And he still has some very long-term works in progress. I take this as hugely encouraging. We're not meant to, in, in the language of today's passage, take the whole promised land in one leap. Our sanctification is a process, and one that Jesus, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, will lead us through. And just like the people of Israel will have good days, we will have bad days, triumphs, disasters, but the promise is there. The promise cannot be broken. So let's summarise what we've learned today. We are saved by God's grace. We cannot earn it. We cannot justify ourselves by our own good works or actions. And just as the angel led God's people through the desert, we're to follow Jesus throughout our lives, listening to what he says, doing What he commands. And that's the work of a lifetime. There'll be ups and downs along the way, but God won't lead us into more than we can handle. Our destination is secure. And ultimately, it all comes down to a relationship. So that brings you back to the title for this passage Follow Him. Now, maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. By his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, he has paid the price for all of your sin. Eternal life and a reborn life with him and his church here and now can be yours. If you'll say sorry for what you've done wrong and put your faith in him. If that's something you'd like to do, I'd encourage you to repeat after me the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. And actually, if you're praying along with me, I'd encourage you now just to take a few moments. If anything that comes to mind that you know that's wrong in your life, just say sorry for it now. Lay it before him. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. i now receive that gift please come into my life by your holy spirit to be with me forever thank you lord jesus amen now If you just prayed that prayer, I'd love you to get into contact with us so that we can help you on your journey as a newborn Christian. You can email us on 3C at allnationsbedford.org, which should be appearing on the screen now, somewhere at the bottom. If you thought about praying that prayer, but you didn't because you still have questions you want to find out more, we'd also love to hear from you. Please do be in contact as well. You can use that same address, 3C at allnationsbedford.org. But what about those of us who already are Christians? Well, again, actually, the message is the same. Follow him. I'll read again words from both today's passage and from Hebrews 12. So starting with today's passage, pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. And then Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Same thing. So church, let's do that. Let's get serious about fixing our eyes on Jesus and throwing off all that entangling sin. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we we thank you that we're saved by grace alone. We ask now for your help in continuing to fix our eyes on you, in paying you all the attention attention you deserve and to listening to what you say. And actually not just listening, but actually doing something about it as well. In fact, why don't we just spend a few short seconds now just opening our ears to listen to what God has to say to us and what he wants us to do. And that will be different for each and every one of us. God, we thank you that you want to be involved in our lives. We thank you that you want to engage with us on that process of sanctification that we've heard about. We pray now for your strength and encouragement that we can carry on walking that walk with you, running the race before us that you set. And Holy Spirit, we ask you once again to fill us, fill us again once more. We need your power and your indwelling to run our race, to take hold of the land you've promised to us please help us shake off all those sins that entangle amen well hopefully even in those few brief seconds god spoke to you about something i'd encourage you share that with somebody else make yourself accountable to them what are you working on at the moment what are you trying to to get better at to put right not to earn your salvation but to continue on that process of sanctification And if you've got anything that you'd like to chat through for whatever reason as a result of what you've heard today, again, please do contact us, 3C at allnationsbedford.org. And finally, if you're watching this live, then it would be great to catch up with you in the Zoom session that follows this broadcast. You should have had the link sent to you in your weekly email. I look forward to seeing you all there. Have a great day.